last time we're looking at this little book, we're at the final part, Haggai chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 20 to 23 for us. So if you've got it there in front of you, uh, read along with me. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you declares the Lord Almighty. So brings this little book of Haggai to a close. Let me pray as we come to look at it. Heavenly Father, we live in a world uh, that is constantly changing, uh, things that are unsettling, but thank you. You have given us your Son who is constant and a secure rock for us to stand on and your Word written that we can come to that is eternal Uh, in its power and authority. Please help us as we listen to it to be drawn close to the Lord Jesus. And we ask for the Spirit's help in that. Amen. Do keep Haggai open in front of you. And you'll know like me, from a young age, life... Life revolves around building things, doesn't it? Whether it's some, uh, when you're little, some kind of Lego construction. Or maybe it's a doll's collection you've built. Or maybe just collecting anything from the film Frozen which still seems to be going on. But you, you know how it works. Every time you, you, you build something, you enjoy it, and then you think, let's make it bigger. Let's get something else to add to it. The other thing you learn quite quickly is what you build is vulnerable. Stuff gets lost or broken. Siblings come in and smash things up that belongs to you. And as you get older, the desire to build it, it doesn't go away, does it? You, you keep wanting to build things. Friendships. Uh, maybe that person that you meet and you, you just kind of click with them and you realize this is going to be a really special friendship and all that comes with friendship as you build shared conversations, shared jokes, shared dreams, shared tears at times. Or family. You don't want to build a house, you want to build a home. Doors that open onto that kind of wonderful anarchic mealtimes with lots of joy that's shared around that. Or maybe it's career. Think about the young woman who, who loves her job. She, she kind of feels sorry for those who find their work really frustrating because she loves it and she's building her skills. It's a joy for her to go to work. But you don't need to live long before you hit vulnerability. It's that woman who loves her job and she's in the shower in the morning. She's singing along with the radio. She's feeling part of the show, she's feeling the excitement of the day when suddenly it happens, she's cleaning under her arm and she she feels a lump. She's no longer uh, feeling uh, part of the show that's going on in the radio, she's hardly feeling the shower, the only thing that she's feeling is alone. And you know this, don't you? Vulnerability has a way of crashing in on the things that we're building Maybe you even felt that again yesterday as the announcement came from the government, which is, 
Which is why this book of Haggai has been good for us, because in a sense it's all about what to build when you know, when you realize that, that life is vulnerable. Haggai has been speaking about God's grand design. And he says to the people of his day, look, what you want to do, you'll have seen this if you've been here the past few weeks, he, he says what you want to do is, is build God's temple and build your life around this temple and, and not so much the building but what the temple, what the temple kind of pictured it, it pointed towards God's gracious saving cause in the world. And these last few verses we're looking at this morning that you've got open in front of you, this is, this is his final encouragement. And it's all about the future. And it's all spoken to, to one man, Zerubbabel. And it's important because how you respond to what God says to this man will determine whether you and I are secure. And so come and see why. Now, here's the first thing that this last part tells us. It says, look, God, God is going to one day flatten everything. Have a look at verse 21 with me. I'll, I'll read bits of it out. Tell Zerubbabel, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. And you, you read that and think, what's that all about? Well, it's actually, in a sense, it's a, it's a kind of carefully worded Old Testament history lesson. Uh, those phrases that get used, overturn royal thrones. Uh, that's, that word overturn there is, is the word that's repeatedly used describing what God did to the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah back in Genesis 19. This line, I will, I will overthrow chariots and drivers, that has echoes of what God did to Egypt's military might when he, he rescued his people from Pharaoh's chariots as he, as he brought them out of the land of slavery during the Exodus. Horses and riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. Any Israelite hearing that would think about the story of Gideon. The Midianites had in, invaded Israel and they'd impoverished them for years and then God acted. And Midian's huge army was defeated. Confused, they ended up attacking one another. And you get the point. All these groups, Sodom and Gomorrah, Egypt, Midian, they, they'd all built something. They'd all built something huge in a sense and, and, and it looked secure. But then God acted and they were all flattened. This is what it looks like, Haggai's saying. This is what it looks like. You remember when God shakes up a small part of his creation? This is what it, it looks like in a small way when, when God decides to deal with people who have chosen to live opposing him, ignoring him. This is what it looks like in, in a small way. Now, now God's message, verse 21, tells Zerubbabel, tells Zerubbabel, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I think Sodom, I think Egypt, think Midian, but now, now think everywhere. Uh, and you ask the question, uh, who's secure and who's vulnerable? And the answer, no one's secure and everyone's vulnerable. Uh, what makes you feel secure? What are the kind of things you look to for your, your security? Is it, is, it, is it friends? Is it having enough friends who, who, who like you? Is, is it education? 
that what makes you feel secure? Is it, is it thinking, if I can just manage to keep the guidelines, if I can put them in place, then I'll be really secure? Is it money? And you might have a stash. You might have a real stash. But Haggai says, God set a day when he will shake the heavens and the earth, and if superpowers won't stand up to it, then neither will you or I. Good poetry I don't know lots of poetry, but, uh, but good poetry has a way, doesn't it, of, of kind of capturing sort of emotional truth. W.H. Auden, in his piece, Stop All the Clocks, speaking of the death of a lover, uh, puts it this way. Stop all the clocks, cut off the telephone, silence the pianos, and with muffled drum, bring out the coffin. Let the mourners come. He was my north, my south, my east and west, my, my working week and my Sunday rest, my noon, my midnight, my talk, my song. And then this absolutely devastating line. I thought that love would last forever. I was wrong. Hi, guy says, don't build your life. Don't build your life on something that you cannot keep. I do wonder at times what I'm, I'm showing my own family about uh, the way to build a secure life. What will they see when they look at me? Will they look at me and think, well, it seems to think education's the thing. It's the most important thing. Will they see me slightly envying people who seem to have a bit more money than me, enjoy nicer holidays? Will they hear me worrying about savings or, or just thinking about the, the pension pot so that I, I hope I can have a fun retirement and think that's the secure life? So we watch this as we're growing up. That's obviously the thing to go for. That, that's the secure life being modeled in front of us. And can you imagine the disaster for a, for a parent looking at their child on the last days? They stand before God and they say, Dad, I thought you said money and education would last forever. And all you can say with W.H. Auden is, I was wrong, I was wrong. And you've lost everything, and they've lost everything, and they have no security on that day, nothing. Nothing to hold on to, nothing to keep them. I'm not saying that you don't consider those things, your education and your money, but you do know that on the day when God says he will flatten everything, your degree won't secure a position with him. You'll need something else on your CV. You do know on the day when, when God says he will flatten everything, your, your earnings won't have any purchasing power with him. You will, you will need something else in your account. Nothing we build is ever really secure in that kind of way. And if you get that in your thinking... If you begin to get that in your thinking, verse 23 is even more of a surprise. Here's the second thing, because on the day that God flattens everything, there does seem to be a last man standing. Haggai's message seems to be like, trust, trust your life to the last man standing. Have a look at verse 23, if you've got it there in front of you. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I've chosen you. 
Again, you might not be surprised. It's loaded with meaning. Uh, Zerubbabel's called servant and signet ring. Uh, some things are really good on their own, aren't they? But you, you put them together and they are exceptional. Custard and crumble, exceptional. Tottenham fans know Harry Kane and so on. Uh, exceptional on the football field right now. If you, if you get those kind of things in your mind, combinations, if you get that in your mind, you you get what's going on here when you hear servant and signet ring because they are two massive Old Testament ideas, but they're brought together in a single person. Signet ring. That's something that would be worn by a king. It signified their authority. In this case, it is God's authority. Back in Jeremiah 22, God said about the, the wicked king Jehoiakim, who was a, a descendant of David, even if you were a signet ring on my finger, I would take you off and throw you away. But now here in Haggai, God's saying a descendant of David will again be his signet ring, will have all of his authority. And the servant, well, we use that word in all sorts of ways, just a servant, but in the Old Testament it became like a title that was given to some, God's servant. It was used of Moses, used of David, and it began to be used to speak of a future figure who would come, who would rescue God's people in Isaiah 53, that, that famous passage, one of the passages we read out at Christmas, we, we hear about the servant who would die bearing the punishment for God's people and then rise again. And when God says, I will take you, Zerubbabel, it doesn't literally mean that th- this person, he, he means the, the office he occupies. Zerubbabel occupies the office of the Davidic king. And God's saying, I, I've not forgotten my promise not forgotten the promise I made. I know everything seems weak and vulnerable at the moment, but I've not forgotten that promise to, to provide someone from David's family. He'll be my signet ring. He'll have all of my authority. And what he'll do with all of that authority is come to serve the weak and the marginalized. He will serve people by giving his life to rescue them from their sin. And we hear that, you think, is that not a breathtaking promise? That God would make to people who have turned from him, people who have ignored him, turned from him in their sin, uh, that God would make to people like that. And when you hear it and think about it, would would you question the patient love of God that's fulfilled in Jesus, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, but was also declared with power to be the Son of God. Uh, he was mocked as being powerless to save himself, but, but on the cross, he was using all of his authority to save others. He, he was being the servant who gave his life to take the punishment for sin. He was vulnerable so that you and I could be made secure. This life will will one day be over for all of us. It will be over. Whether it's COVID-related or not, we we can't avoid it. Jesus has come to to make our life secure in the most important way so that in trusting him, that the day you close your eyes for the last time in this world, you will open them again in the next And the person you will see is the Lord Jesus who says you are safely home forever. 
The world can't offer you a hope like that. No set of guidelines can offer you a hope like that. All you can do is trust your life to the one God says will be the last man standing on that day. His vulnerability was to make you secure. He was thrown away so you don't have to be. The question is, look, are you building your life round God's Son? Are you trusting your life? Are you trusting your life to the last man standing and the community of people he's building in his name? How would you know? Well, as we close, let me give you two suggestions. Let me suggest an attitude and an activity if you're finding security in Jesus. You'll only boast. If you're finding security in Jesus, you'll only boast about Jesus and you'll, you'll start taking risks following Jesus. Boasting, look, if, if I'm convinced I am who I am ultimately because Jesus is the one who makes me secure, then when I'm praised for something, who will I want to give thank to, uh, thanks to eventually at the end of the day? It's nice if people commend you. It'd be, it'd be silly not to enjoy that. It's fine you can enjoy that kind of thing. But eventually, who do you give credit to? Who do you boast about? And when you're faced with difficulties, when you're faced with real challenges, as we all are at the moment, what comes out from you? Is it just moaning about something else that's happened? Often is with me. Or will it be hope in the Lord Jesus Christ who makes you secure? Is that what people will hear from you? Who do you boast about? And then taking risks. Uh, you may have heard of Jim Elliott. He was a, a young missionary in Ecuador many, many years ago, attempting to make contact with an unreached tribe after some initial encounters. He and, and three others spent time with them, and they were all killed. He was 29. And he wrote these now famous words the night before. I think he might have got them from somewhere else as well. But he, he wrote this in his journal. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. I doubt many of us will, will end up in Ecuador or losing our lives in that way. But are you becoming secure in Jesus? Are you becoming secure in Jesus so that you, you take risks serving him or is life just about trying to make it as safe as possible? Are you beginning to take risks in his service? Not to earn your kind of way to God. You can't do that and he's done it for you so you don't need to. He's made you secure in that way but are you taking risks in his service? We're, we're on a mission together as a church family here. That's what we are at Christ Church. We're, we're on a mission together looking to give ourselves to God's gracious cause in the world where he's put us, here in Cambridge and even beyond. There will be risks involved in all sorts of ways. But we're not living for our own comfort now any more than the Lord Jesus was whom we're following. No, we remember the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he's rich, Yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Think of the different ways you might do that. Think about youth groups on Friday nights. We need people 
to give themselves to, to serving our teenagers heading, heading into the new year. We really will need that help. Could you give yourself to God's cause there? We're to witness to the city God's places here in Cambridge. How are you getting on with that? This week on Thursdays, Michael's beginning the first of three Thursday evenings, our, our equip evenings on, on how to share the hope that you have you know, with others. Is that something you might give yourself to? What kind of people do we want to be? Well, I think it's people who say, I know even if I feel vulnerable, I'm going to live for Jesus who makes me secure. We're going to have a moment of quiet to, to pray. Those of you at, at home, uh, as we finish that, uh, musicians are going to be back and you're going to sing a song that proclaims again the security uh, that we have in Jesus. Those of us who have gathered in, in the building, uh, we're going to be sharing the Lord's Supper and Steve will come to lead us in that. And again, as we do, proclaim the wonderful, gracious means by which uh, Jesus has secured us. Uh, let's have a moment of quiet and then someone will come and lead us on.